Hey besties, welcome back to another episode of Sunshine and Rainbows podcast, a space where we chat about moments when life isn't. I'm your host, Amanda, and I am so passionate about peeling back that veil our society has constructed around perfectionism online. When starting my own personal platform on Instagram, I realized that I was getting caught in the inauthentic hustle, and it was severely affecting my mental health, mostly because I was comparing my behind the scenes to someone else's highlight reel. Throughout my life, I've come to own that my setbacks were actually just set ups for something better. I found a way to step into my true potential, and the goal is to amplify other voices who have done the same so that someone out there feels seen and that much less alone. I cannot wait to get into this important conversation with our next guest. So let's get started. Hey, thanks for downloading and listening to another episode of my podcast. I'm your host, Amanda, and I'm honestly so excited that you are here. Yes, you, specifically you listening right now. I'm excited to introduce our next guest to you, Olivia. Olivia Miller is a 20-year-old advocate from Waterloo Region, Ontario, Canada. She's currently completing a double major in peace and conflict and social development studies with a minor in political science at the University of Waterloo. Olivia is the co-founder and director of the Bridges of Hope Project and community ambassador for the Umbrella Project. She's a contributor with several community and national initiatives, including the Activist Collab, the Walmart Post, and more. Now, Olivia has been open about her journey with mental illness as a young adult. She's discovered through her experiences how important it is to take care of yourself and seek the help when you need it. She's passionate about sharing her message with others so that they know they are truly never alone. I'm so excited to get into this conversation. So here we go. Okay, everyone, I am so excited to talk to our next guest today. She is doing some incredible things. I'm so pumped to get to talk to her and for you all to meet her. So without further ado, this is Liv. Hi, everybody. Yay. So Liv, I would love to give you an opportunity just to tell us about you and kind of a background of what this conversation is going to look like today. Amazing. So I am from uh, Waterloo, Ontario, Canada, and I am a 20-year-old student. Um, I go to the University of Waterloo for Peace and Conflict Studies, so I learn a lot about how we communicate with each other, how miscommunications happen, and how we can um, improve um, our relationships with one another to create peaceful environments. So um, my program was uh, mind-blowing for me in understanding how uh, we relate to one another and just how genuinely bad we are at it and how much we have to learn. So that um, kick-started my love for um, social justice more recently, but it's always been a passion of mine. And I've worked with um, some different organizations on um, activism initiatives and um, so I'm very excited to kind of touch base about those and um, chat about, yeah, real conversations and how we can um, navigate them better. That is incredible. And first of all, how cool that your university offers a program like that. I personally don't know of anyone near me uh, in the States that's getting a degree and learning about those things. And especially in our culture and the social environment these days, just like you said, 
that is something that we could all use a lot more of. So that is so interesting to me. Um, was there anything that happened maybe in your background that made you realize that you wanted to go into this in college or like walk us through that? Absolutely. So when I originally started my degree, I was going for social development studies, which would be a combination of psychology, sociology, and social work. So um, I've kept that as my second major, but I took um, an introduction to conflict resolution class in my first year. And um, I remember very vividly, we had a conversation about forgiveness. We had one class dedicated to it. And we watched some apologies from like political leaders um, and we watched Mm -hmm. and then we we really went through like how terrible they were like they they held no accountability there was no recognition of the harm that was done because most often um, people just want to hear that you know that you've done something wrong and that you um, feel bad about it even if there isn't um, a, a practical way to solve it at that point they just want to know that you know so I remember sitting in that class and just realizing how bad personally I was at um, apologizing, at forgiving people. Um, And I was just really encouraged to learn more about it. And yeah, absolutely grateful that they had a program like that at my school that I could dive into. That is incredible. And I love what you said that people just want to know that you realize you've done something wrong. And even if there's not an ideal way to solve it. It's more just the empathy and acknowledgement that, hey, something has happened here, which again, I think we all could use a lot more of, especially right now. So you are going through this journey, learning about human behavior and design and how we interact as a society. How has that affected the way you look at the world around you? Absolutely. I think more and more I'm recognizing how important conversations are. And when we don't have them, um, there's so much that we assume about what's going on around us um, that could really just be taken away if we had those conversations. Um, I heard a statistic yesterday that 93% of the conversations we have um, come from our body language or our tone. So mm. like only 7% comes from what we actually say to each other. So if that's really the case, then um, we're just not really being all that clear. And we're taking in so much of how the other person is reacting when we're talking to them. Um, and that says so much about how how much of our world is in shambles, especially since the pandemic. So I think it's just really started to um, motivate me to work on uh, my relationships with my own world, but also change the way that I see um, social justice and how to approach um, making our community safer. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting that you say that. So my background is in psychology as well, too, and human behavior, because I was actually in the animal field. So a lot of those same principles we use when working with and training animals. And one of the biggest things I learned is that if my animal was misunderstanding me, it was not their fault. It was my fault because I wasn't communicating correctly because I'm the one who knew what I was trying to communicate. I'm the one that speaks my language. So clearly I'm not communicating effectively to them. It's not their fault. It's my fault. And that was something that was so pivotal to me to realize that oftentimes with miscommunication, it's mostly the one person's fault, not both of them. And I think that's so interesting that yeah, that you brought that up, that we communicate with so much more than just our words. And I think that also is interesting too, that 
we live in an age of technology and social media. And so at what point are we reading subtweets in between the lines of we're saying these black and white words, but what is the context behind them? Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting. There's a model that we're taught about and it's called the um, intent action effect model. And um, what it teaches you is that um, your intent and the effect that you have on the other person are both private um, and you may not know um, what they're feeling. Um, but the only part that actually happens publicly between the two of you is the action. So they may walk away feeling completely different about the effect of the conversation or the situation than you will. And they may have a completely different idea of what your intention was than you meant to have on them. So it's this idea of how much we take away with us privately and how little we actually experience collectively in any given conversation. Wow. And Even in my own life, I'm thinking and processing. I personally have been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. And so the way I process conversations is probably tenfold compared to someone else because my brain is filling in the lines, not all the time with reality. And it's coming up with alternate scenarios and what I think that people are thinking about me, which isn't always true. And so I think that is so interesting in that you might not know what the other person is feeling or how they receive that information unless you're actively asking for feedback. Yeah. Yeah. Well, absolutely. I have, I have anxiety as well. And one of the things we work on in therapy is um, thought distortions and how um, you're kind of seeing things through your own filter and how that affects what's going on and what is actually happening in reality. So it's really interesting to start to dissect the conversations you're having and pick apart the pieces that are actually facts and the parts that you have convinced yourself are true. (laughs) Yes, the reality and your reality, I have learned, are very different things. And sometimes they can be the same, but oftentimes they might be a little bit more jaded based on your own personal experiences and life experiences. So that brings me to my next point is how has your mental health journey, has it played a part in this role that you've taken on and what you're learning and studying right now? Absolutely. So, um, I started to really struggle with my mental health when I was in high school, which um, was about five years ago now, which feels crazy um, (laughs) because it feels like just yesterday. But um, I really started to um, root myself in perfectionism. Um, Mm. And I I was in leadership roles and I was really involved in my school, but I could not um, I could not let it rest. It had to be perfect. And I couldn't um, say no. I had really. Um, a really hard time with boundaries. Um, and I thought that I owed a lot of myself to other people, um, no matter what I was getting in return. So I had no, um, as a trauma response, I had no idea how to manage relationships. Mm. Um, and eventually it, it all just kind of came crashing down. And that was a very humbling time for me um, because I really sat back and I I worked with a therapist um, very intimately. I started saying no by um, not going to classes in person. I was doing most of it online. I spent as much time as I could out of the building. I really Mm -hmm. started to detach from all of the relationships. I remember going up to, um, 
the stage to graduate and thinking like I don't think there's going to be any applause because I don't talk to any of these people anymore and and it, it was sad but it taught me that um we kind of go through life um in a reactive way, not necessarily recognizing the, uh, the, the control that we have over our lives. Mm-hmm. So as I, as I kind of went crashing down, I started recognizing that I could choose the people that I wanted to keep in my life, the people I wanted to give my energy to, were they deserving of it? Um, and it really started to redirect my life to um, a place where I was ready for the lessons that my degree was going to teach me in university. So it was almost like hitting rock bottom. Um, mm. Structured my mindset to be ready to learn the things that I started learning. Wow. First of all, thank you so much for sharing that journey and for just sharing a little piece of your heart there. I will say you should be so proud of yourself to be in your early to mid 20s and have that figured out. Because most of us don't really get to that point until our late 20s, early 30s. And speaking from experience, I have also went through similar things to what you're describing and coped with it and masked it enough to where it did come all crashing down two years ago. And it's one, incredible to know that there's other people out there that relate and it's validating, but it's so great to see you on the other side and so on fire for what we're going to be talking about next and just hear how this all plays such an integral role. So again, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. That's very sweet. Yes. So you have brought up this amazing topic of mental health coupled with activism. And I feel like this is a new charge that's happening in the world. And really within the past couple of years, like obviously people are advocating for mental health awareness, but I feel like there's a whole new piece of the puzzle that you are talking about here. Absolutely. So part of what has always kind of rubbed me the wrong way about your standard um, self-help books mm. or um, your mental health courses is that they, they're not um, they're not recognizing the social aspects, the cultural aspects that mm. will impact mental health. Um, So as a white woman, I am benefiting from accessible counseling. I'm benefiting from how I look. And a lot of people are not ready to talk about how true that is and how um, we're not just experiencing burnout. We're experiencing constant oppression and discrimination based on who we are as people. And so where that started to intersect uh, with me was when I started to recognize how much of a bigger picture this was. I was doing a lot of mental health advocacy as I came out of that dark place in high school, but I wasn't talking about those social aspects that contribute to it. And it made me recognize just how much of a bigger picture we are coping with. So not only does, um, are there social issues contributing to our mental health, but um, it also works in that um, these social issues um, are things that we are worrying about that affect our mental health. So not only are they impacting us because of who we are, but if they're not impacting us because of who we are, we're worried about them. We are living in a Mm -hmm. constant state of collective trauma. And people want to call it burnout in the media. They want to give you like a burnout handout and this webinar. And that's fine for some people that works, but it's so much of a bigger conversation um, that we are just struggling to cope with because we are constantly um, being traumatized by our world. 
right now. Mm, and I feel like in the past two years, everyone was really slapped across the face with it because we were forced to slow down. We were forced to get rid of all the distraction and noise around us to where a lot of these social issues, if you had the privilege to ignore them or not see them in your mainstream media, there was no escaping it. It was everywhere. And I think that was a big moment for, like you said, a lot of privileged individuals that didn't really realize this maybe was going on all the time. And even for myself, it was a huge moment of growth and unlearning and relearning and finding other sources and research. And it was a lot. And I think it's incredible that you're bringing up this topic and talking about, you know, mental health in itself, people find uncomfy. But then when you add that social aspect, woo, <laughs> I can see a lot of people being uncomfortable with that. Well, and that's the thing too, like I was privileged growing up to not recognize that I was privileged, mm -hmm. but so many people have to deal with this on a regular basis that it's not fair that only some people have to deal with the burden of this. Like naturally we should be burdened by it, but that also comes with um, a toll on everybody, right? So it's how do we um, take care of ourselves while facing all of these social issues and all of the, the challenges that we face in our world? It's a really big question, but one that I'm worried is not asked enough when we're talking about mental health. Mm. Yes. And I love that you're asking that question. And that's what we're all about here on this show is starting those uncomfortable conversations just to give people an opportunity to hopefully see things from a different perspective and just take a second to slow down and be like, oh, huh, maybe I should think about that a little bit more. Right. <laughs> I love it. So you are part of a couple incredible organizations. Do you mind sharing what you are all involved in right now? Absolutely. Yeah. So I work as a facilitator for a company called the Ripple Effect Education, and they put um, peace education curriculums um, and lessons into schools. So um, we teach from kindergarten to grade eight, I believe. And um, we go in there and we start conversations about like what respect means, what mm. means, and of course, the context is different for all of the all of the ages, but it's really powerful to start with kids because I can't even imagine how different my life would have been if I had experienced something like this. Um, and then similarly, I also work for the Umbrella Project, um, which is a mental health curriculum um, that is placed in schools. So I go and I share my story um, with young adults um, all over Ontario, um, just to be honest about mental health and why we have to um, develop coping skills um, as we go along. So those are two of the, the organizations I'm working for right now. And then I'm kind of connected to some different activist communities um, nearby. So yeah. Wow, that is amazing. And I, it is so integral to start those conversations early. Like you said, even in my own life, I couldn't imagine even having some of those conversations started in high school versus going to college in my mind being opened by just other experiences around me and starting those in a safe environment in a home or in a school where you have a trusted individual or adult figure that can facilitate these conversations. That's how kids are going to learn to become 
empathetic tiny humans, <laughs> which will grow up to be empathetic adults, which is what we need more of these days. Oh. Absolutely. And we all have a different approach to conflict, right? So um, depending on how we were raised or what our school experience was like, um, we are going to approach conflict differently. But I never stopped to question that until I started my degree was how am I contributing to the conversations, to the relationships, um, to the environments that I'm entering because of how I've grown up. So it's really interesting to start that dialogue with young people and kind of see them start to process things that I didn't process until I was in my late teens. Mm, Wow. Do you mind sharing a little bit more on that topic or at least giving listeners an idea where they can start to do research into asking those questions? Absolutely. So I would definitely start with learning your conflict style. Um, There are five different styles. Um, You can be competitive, which is what it sounds like. You kind of come in um, fighting for your right there. (laughs) And then um, you can be accommodating, um, which puts your interests and respect for the relationship both as a priority. Um, You can be compromising, which means that you will prioritize the relationship over your interests and you will um, work to keep the peace over actually coming up with a solution. Mm. Um, And then I think the other two are going to leave me at this time, but they're fantastic to, (laughs) they're fantastic to learn more about um, because even just understanding yours and even the people around you can um, really help you keep your inner peace um, and recognize what you are bringing to um, the relationships around you. Mm. I love learning about all those different types and it ties in even with like the Enneagram and human design and astrology and all those things I feel like all kind of tie in to where you're learning that you're unique but there are other people that operate similarly to you and when you understand yourself like you said you can understand how you affect others and learning about others then helps you learn how you react to others like it's just a big cycle absolutely like we would not be humans without our interaction with others Mm -hmm. I just think that we prioritize sometimes um, less how we talk to each other than we should so it's absolutely a great world to dive into Um, even the work of restorative justice is something Mm. that I've been looking into as well because looking at that like how do we actually serve victims of harm in a way that actually gives them um peace how do they walk away feeling better Mm. um so all of this ties into broader social solutions and um so it's a really great world to get into but i would just start with um working personally on um your own conflict styles and recognizing um what you bring to the table Yes. And for everyone listening, I'm going to link down in the episode notes. Um, I'll do my own research and see if there's like a quiz or some reading that you can do to figure out those conflict styles. So definitely check down there in the episode notes. Now, when you reached out to talk to us on the show, you did mention Bridges of Hope. Will you go into that a little bit for us? Absolutely. So when I was struggling in high school, um, it was not just an individual thing. I was looking around in the hallways and everyone just had glazed over expressions. They were looking down at their phones with their headphones in and there was no connection. And I'm from a very small, uh, small town. Um, and that came with its unique challenges. And, um, 
I definitely think at the time, um, even just the past two years, have made such a big difference in communicating about mental health, but we were not talking about it in our schools. We had a death by suicide every year that was just mm. swept under the rug um, and not really handled as um, a trauma, as a collective trauma. Yeah. So um, during this time when I was um, struggling the most, I heard about a teenager uh, named uh, Paige Hunter from Sunderland, UK, and she put up um, positive messages that she had written by herself on a local bridge that had pedestrians walking by very frequently. And um, in just that simple action, she actually prevented over a dozen suicides. So her impact was just phenomenal. And um, I thought of this idea and I thought, how can I bring um, that kind of structure and idea to uh, my community. So what I did with my uh, friend is we created the Bridges of Hope events where we had schools, um, local leaders, politicians reach out um, with messages that they would want someone to see um, if they're walking past the bridge. And we collectively put them on together, but we had um, people share their mental health stories as well. So really opening up that dialogue of what it looks like to struggle with mental health. We had, um, yeah, we had politicians, we had local leaders, we had youth, we had um, Indigenous people. So we really tried to um, bring this publicly because Mm. we knew that it wasn't going to be comfortable for a lot of people, but they needed to see it. Um, So that is what we did during high school. I would love to get Bridges of Hope back um, back moving eventually. Um, yeah. but with COVID, it's obviously been a challenge, but right. Yeah, so that was a bit of the impact that we had, and um, it is it changed my life. Just um, especially in a time when I was struggling so much, to meet mm-hmm. people who were similar to me was incredible. Wow, Liv, that is incredible. First of all, it's so neat how these days we can just be connected and that you saw the work she was doing literally across the world and decided to implement your own version of that. And to even get your whole community involved is incredible. And I'm literally, I got goosebumps listening to that and I'm (laughs) so on fire and I'm thinking now like, okay, how can I do something like that for my community? Because it's so important. Absolutely. And one of the things that I I dream about (laughs) when I dream of a post-COVID world is having um, kind of represent uh, ambassadors from other towns help me do this. So have like live stream of it happening all over Mm. um, and having that accessible to people or for people to watch, because I think we just, we, we get so small in our world sometimes and we don't recognize how many people are going through the same thing as us so yeah Mm. Yeah. Mm. so so powerful I think that things and movements like this are the answer for us to begin to start healing our communities in this conversation we've talked about a lot of hurt that directly and indirectly have has been afflicted on people and again just recognizing that and realizing the things that we personally can do to help the change, but also collectively as a community, I think is a step in the right direction. Absolutely. I think um, we're recognizing, especially now that healing has to come within our communities. There isn't necessarily going to be anyone who comes to save us. We have to work together to um, start that process ourselves. So, 
Well, and like you mentioned earlier, it's it's the ripple effect, which again, you said is something that you're involved with as you start that ripple and you can see the literal effect of it as it spreads out. And by focusing on your own mental health and fixing your own experiences and traumas and that you've been through, then will pour over and spread to the other people around you. And that is what it's all about. Absolutely. And I love that. Mm. So before we close, I would love if you could just give advice to our audience today, anyone that potentially is in any of those situations that we discussed earlier, or maybe related to you in high school, do you have any advice to give them? Yeah, I think um, for anyone who's hoping to be a change maker, but feels very overwhelmed at the, at the scope of things right now. um, I was once told by someone I admire very much that change doesn't come from feeling guilty. So finding a way to Um, take care of yourself and work to listen and understand before you take action or um, make that uh, those steps to healing I think is very important we can't do the work if we're um, a glass um, completely empty so Mm. invest in your before you try to take care of other people and if you are struggling um, I definitely would recommend to um, reach out that is Um, I think underrated in our society as well Um, but there are so many complex um, supports that will suit whatever it is that you're going through so to continue pursuing reaching out to others and um, receiving the help if you need it Mm, I love that wow Liv thank you so much again for sharing and bringing up these very important conversations and helping us all just get a little bit like the right amount of uncomfortable to start that change. Um, I would love to give you an opportunity just to share any uh, social media channels or again, the organizations you're involved with. So that way we can keep up with you and all the incredible work that you're doing online. Absolutely. Yeah. So my um, Instagram where I talk about self-talk patterns and how we can shift our mindset um, is at self-talk with Liv. Um, And if you want to follow along with Bridges of Hope, it's um, at Bridges of Hope Project as well. Wonderful. And again, everyone that is linked down in the episode notes, so you can check out all those links and the other things that we talked about today. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Liv. I really appreciate everything that you shared today. Thank you. It was such a pleasure. And I'm on the roll. Thank you for listening to yet another amazing conversation started here on Sunshine and Rainbows podcast. Each week, I am quite literally blown away by the voices and stories shared here. The goal is to amplify others' experiences in hopes that someone listening out there feels that much less alone. Thank you again to our incredible guests for getting so vulnerable with us about their own personal stories and for helping each of us remember to look at a situation with a new perspective. If you love this episode or any previous one, I hope you'll take a second to share it to a bestie or even tell us on social media. It really does make a difference in helping us get these conversations out there to the world. If you'd like to share your own story with our audience about how you've overcome something in your life or maybe want to start an important conversation that needs to be heard, please send us an email at hello at Stay colorful and we'll see you next week, besties.